Kia ora, tēnā koutou katoa. Welcome to Emirates Podcast, episode 403. Today is Wednesday, October 18th, 2023. The election did not go as I would have liked, as should be obvious from what I've said over the years, but it did go pretty much as I expected. Now, the reality is that the conservative, I think it's fair to say, National Party won the, the most seats in Parliament, and together with their coalition partner, the Hard Right Act Party, should be able to form government. I say should because there are a lot of things that are uncertain about this year. The first of those is the final vote. That won't be released until November 3rd. And the reason it takes so long is because of our, partly because of our system, but also because of how close some of the results were. And that needs a bit of explanation. As you will recall, New Zealanders get two votes for parliament. The first is for the person in their local area they want to represent that local area. But the vote that matters the most is called the party vote, and that's where the the voter votes for the party they want to form government. And the reason that's so important is that the entire makeup of parliament is meant to match as closely as possible the proportion of the party vote that a party gets. So if a party gets 50% of the party vote, they should have 50% of the seats in parliament. The problem is that oftentimes the number of electorates they win doesn't match that percentage, plus or minus. And if, they're, if they get too many uh, seats, then they don't bring in any uh, elected seats, then they don't bring any in from the list. And on the other hand, if they don't have a, enough electorates, then they bring in people from their party list, who are essentially at-large members of parliament. And those are the ones who make up the rest of their allocation in parliament, so that it ends up that the seats in parliament match as closely as possible the intention of the voters. And that's why it's called proportional representation. And it works pretty well under normal circumstances. This year, however, is not normal circumstances. As it happens, the Māori Party won three electorates. And because their party vote only entitled them to two, we have what's called an overhang. We will have one more MP than we normally would. Normally, it's a 120-seat parliament. This year, it will be 121. And this is done to maintain proportionality. You increase the number of seats in order to make sure that the other parties have the proportionality. But this complicates things for National and ACT because right now they've got their 61, maybe 62 seats. But if there is a greater overhang, then they will need a larger majority. They may need New Zealand first in order to have the votes to form government. And that's where it gets complicated for them. Now, what complicates all of this is that we're waiting on the counting of the special votes, and this is why it's going to take until November 3rd. First of all, they verify all the other votes, the preliminary votes, but they also count these special votes. And special votes are the votes of Kiwis living overseas, those who used special dictation services, those who registered late, including on election day, and also those who voted in an electorate they don't live in. Say, for instance, I'm in Hamilton West. If I went to Auckland for the day on Saturday and voted there, I would have had to have I would have had to cast a special ballot. And those votes are counted after the election, after election day. And this year there are about five hundred and seventy thousand of them. And ordinarily, I mean that's not an unheard of amount. I think uh, twenty seventeen was roughly equivalent. It wasn't a whole lot less. But the issue this year is that so many of the electorates were so close with a few hundred votes. In, in the balance, that the special votes could change the result in those electorates. And because of all of that, we don't know the, the final size of parliament. We don't know who's in and who's out specifically until those specials are counted. 
But what is evident from the result is that there was a lot of vote splitting going on. For example, in Auckland, the Green Party held on to the Auckland Central electorate. It's actually the first time that the Green Party's ever won re-election in an electorate uh, since the MMP era began in 1996. But they also picked up Wellington Central and Rangatai. So they have three electorate MPs now, which is unheard of for them. It's, the, it's their best result ever in terms of electorates. And they will, ha will have around 14 MPs. Now, the thing about them in particular is that the, those special votes, especially the overseas voters, usually favor the center-left and the Greens in particular. And in previous years, at least once, maybe twice, they got an extra MP once the overseas votes were counted. And that may happen this year, too. We just don't know. And there are several other electorates where the Labor Party candidate was either defeated, barely defeated or barely won, and the special votes could flop it in either direction. There's no way of knowing. But the reason why it was so close is because the Green Party candidate did far better than they had in other years. Another example of this vote splitting is, again, the Māori seats. There, they had candidates who defeated the Labour Party candidates, which has happened before. That's not a new thing. But in this particular case, they the party deliberately selected candidates who would appeal to younger voters. In in Hauraki Waikato, which overlays uh, Hamilton and in, in other parts of the Waikato, their candidate was 21 years old, and she is about to become the youngest MP in more than a century, probably ever, as far as I know. And in the South Island, their candidate, who again appeals to younger voters, uh, defeated a longtime Labour Labour MP who had been there since 2011, and his his family has been is has held that seat off and on for for a long, 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 long time, and that all matters because of who of what it suggests for the future. The Māori Party made a deliberate choice to select candidates who would appeal to younger voters because they're well aware that something like 70-odd percent of Māori are under 40, and it makes sense to appeal to younger voters as opposed to, say, one of the parties like New Zealand First, which appeals to older voters, retired retirees in particular. So, And it paid off for them. But the the voters who voted for those, who elected those young younger candidates also gave their party vote to Labour, which is why we're in this overhang situation, because they voted for the Māori Party candidate in the electorate and party voted Labour. So they didn't abandon Labour, they strategically split their votes. And that's something that happened in other places as well. I wish that that hadn't happened quite so much in electorates where they had no hope of winning, like um, a South Island seat called Islam, but I don't think it would have made any difference in that particular case. The, the important thing to know is that this means that the overriding um, characteristic of this election was vote splitting. It wasn't just a repudiation of labor, as some of the more simplistic commentary puts it. It was, it was far more complicated than that. And we even saw that on the right. In the Tamaki electorate, which is one, a very old electorate in Auckland, uh, former Prime Minister Robert Muldoon, who is sometimes described as having been the closest that New Zealand ever came to a dictator, he was National Party MP for that electorate. The electorate was formed before I was born, I think. And in this particular election, the deputy leader of the ACT Party, a woman by the name of Brooke Van Velden, 
announced she was running for that seat because when Roe v. Wade was struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court, the uh, National Party MP, his name was Simon O'Connor, tweeted about how it was a great day or some, some such. And she specifically mentioned his his strong anti-abortion position is one of the reasons she was running. She thought the voters of Tom, Tamaki deserved better rather than just somebody who happened to be a National Party um, person because they just reflexively vote national. It doesn't mean that they support him or his policies. And the interesting thing about that is that is like the truest, bluest National Party seat that uh, there is, or at least among them. And yet she went in there and said, look, this guy is too conservative even for you. <laughs> And she was right because she won the seat. So all over the place, people are voting more strategically in their electorate and they're splitting their vote. They're voting for one candidate for electorate and one for the for the party. The National Party did well in the Tamaki electorate in terms of party vote, but they didn't win the electorate seat. So it's a much more complicated and nuanced reality in this election than most of the media commentary would have us believe. So the question then is, why did voters do all this splitting? What was it about labor that turned them off so much? Well, I think there are a lot of things that it was a perfect storm of badness. I mean, on election night in his concession speech, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins said that the tide goes in and the tide also goes back out. And that's certainly true. He also pointed out that no party that has changed prime minister in its term won the next election. And that's also true, certainly in the MMP era, and I'd probably before, for all I know, but because I haven't studied those so much and I've witnessed these um, up close and personal. But I think the one of the issues is that Labour ran a campaign that was solidly centrist. It was essentially appealing to the same voters that the National Party was shooting for. And that's not a, that's not a good thing. And he didn't um, tout Labor's achievements, particularly on COVID, until toward the end of the campaign, by which time it was too late. But COVID overshadows all of this because the loons, goons, and cartoons who were active in this campaign hated Labor to the core of their being for the their response to COVID. Now, a sane person would step back and say, "Hang on a minute. What would ha what would have happened if Labor hadn't done what it did during COVID?" When the answer is simple. By conservative estimates, at least 20,000 New Zealanders, more New Zealanders, would have died from COVID if the Labour government hadn't done what it did. Hundreds of businesses would have gone bankrupt. Thousands of Kiwis would have lost their jobs. The economy would have tanked. And yet, despite all of, all of what could have happened, they don't get credit for that. Instead, what happens is that people blame them for everything that happened since. The fact that the cost of living is so high, despite the fact that everywhere in the world has had the same issues because of the supply chain disruptions that were caused by COVID and all of the other hardships to economies that were the result of the pandemic. No, all of those problems were, were laid at the feet of labor instead. And I'm not trying to suggest that the people were stupid because I don't think that that's what was going on. I think that a lot of it is because of the uh, emotional and psychological toll that the COVID times took on all of us. I mean, I'm still recovering from the last lockdown in particular. It hit me really, really hard. And I'm not the only one. There's plenty of people that that's happened to. And I think what a lot of people did is that they looked at the at the results since then. They, they remember things like Kiwis who were stranded overseas trying to get home and all the ruckus that they were causing and so on. 
And then they see the cost of living increase and, and how things keep going out of stock in the supermarket, all that sort of stuff. And they blamed the incumbent government for it. If national had been in power, they would, probably would have blamed national. So it's not, it's, it may be somewhat irrational, but it's not stupid. They weren't doing it because, to just to be contrary or whatever, it's because of everything that's happened over the past three years, they just had, a, had enough and they reacted. And that happens. That happens in politics. The party in power gets the blame and very little of the credit, usually. And so in that sense, their reaction was was understandable. I think for the future, in building towards the 2026 elections, labor has to rediscover who it was to figure out who it's going to be. It was founded as a workers' party, and it has historically championed poorer people, the less off, and ordinary working people, not the rich and not the corporations and so on. I think they've got to get back to that, uh, unequivocally back to that, because otherwise, what's the difference between them and national except degree? Their policies aren't that different except in certain areas like workers' rights for labor and for national, they are pro-rich and pro-rich people and pro-corporation. But apart from those areas, there's not that much difference. And we need a strong party on the center left to counteract the center-right national party. And we don't have that at the moment. And hopefully they will find their way and they will get back to where they need to be and for the benefit of all New Zealanders, particularly ordinary Kiwis who are just trying to get by. And yeah, we'll see what happens. That'll probably become a topic overall, I mean, over time. And hopefully it'll be a good story when that does happen. And to end on a more personal sort of <laughs> note, I guess, on Friday, I'm having the family around to my house for dinner. The first time I've done that since, I'm pretty sure, since January, my birthday. And there's no particular reason why it's taken me this long. It just has. The truth is, though, that I haven't paid enough attention to the house over that time because nobody was coming around. So, you know, why do some of the nooks and crannies if I didn't need to, you know, that sort of thing. So it's not enough that it has to be, I mean, when we were, when they were coming over regularly, I was like, it's got to be good enough. Now it has to be perfect. <laughs> so I'm going to need the, the next couple of days to make that happen. And as it happens, the whole reason I moved the recording day back to Wednesdays, that gave me two full days to get ready for a Friday evening when the family came around. And right now I'm really glad I've got that. <laughs> but that's it for today. That's it for this week. I'll talk to you soon. Kakete no. Bye. You can comment on this or any episode of the Emmerens Podcast at emmerenspodcast.com, where you can also leave a voice message. You can visit and comment on the Emmerens Facebook page, or you can email me with or without a voice message at emmerens at gmail.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Pride 48 Network and is produced and distributed under Creative Commons license. Complete details at the website.